my groove today. Been watching rain skies move away. I just don't think that I can lose, and I might just take a cruise and let the sunshine play. Something more, something new, something new. Welcome, everybody. A little technical difficulty there to get started, but we're alive and well. I hope this Monday episode, again, of The Approach finds you well, finds you in good health, finds you in a place where you're happy, healthy, you want to be. Drew, unfortunately, is not going to be with us tonight. He's under the weather. So we're kind of kicking it old school, almost back to the night school days, uh, gosh, a year ago, over a year. So just me be shorter, but I'm actually excited to talk about a few topics um yeah there's there's just there's just a lot and then kind of maybe just where where is everything headed as it relates to the the, the industry and obviously i don't know but just yeah some observations whether they're right or wrong i mean i don't know but uh hopefully hopefully some good dialogue hopefully you're joining us um again congrats to justin thomas a big a big fan of jt had him um i think it was like 30 percent of my lineups uh had him in an outright didn't get the greatest number. I think he was 18 to one. I know they're better out there, but it's fun to see him get, get the job done again. A second <clears throat> major, the second PGA. So congrats to JT. And I, you know, I feel like he he deserved it. I know Mito kind of maybe helped him out a little bit, but JT had the better. I mean, the worst of the the two waves. He had to play in the toughest conditions, especially early in the week. Um, and, and he just showed that JT can hit every sort of shot. It was just impressive what he did. On 18 in regulation, uh, unfortunately, he couldn't make the putt. But then just the, yeah, the shots he hit in the 17 in playoff, you know, pretty, pr pretty damn impressive. And so now we move to Colonial. And the week after a major is always super interesting. There's, there's things to consider, but it's actually a decent field. And we don't typically see that after the week of a major. I know Harbortown had a really good field this year. And now we get something similar, frankly, and I, I would say a, a decent comp course. It's not like, you know, going back and forth, but it's a, it's a decent comp course. But we're going to get into that, or I should, I'm going to get into that. But I just want to talk about one thing that I, I just noticed last week heading into the PGA. And I know there's more eyeballs on content, the, the weeks leading up, you know, the live from the golf channel and kind of things like that. But I kind of tweeted it out. And again, I don't know if it's right or wrong. It's just observations. But feeling that there's more of a of a lean to figure out how the tournament will unfold versus thinking, how are we supposed to beat these um, people in the contest? And if we're in the Million Makers, and I'm six figures that we have six um figures of, of lineups that we have to try to beat and so what i mean like how we figure out the tournament will unfold is gosh we say gosh around the green is so important and it was you look at the guys you know definitely in the playoff uh, willie z had a good good week around the green jt had a great week around the green but one thing i wanted to, th to think of it as a math problem that the 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 answer is five but all week we hear that Three plus two equals five, and that's the, the way to get to five. That's the best way to get to five. In, in reality, there's multiple ways to get to five. There's four plus one. There's, there's yeah, yeah there, there's, there's multiple. And there's two plus two plus one. Think of it as like that. So my point being is that I, I saw so many people just cross off great golfers because of the around the green kind of narrative and that again turned to be true but not every golfer that played well 
played well around the green. And the point being is that there's multiple ways to get to a solution. And so if we're hearing that each week, and, and Tampa brought up a great point, that we are a little bit of a bubble on Twitter. We're not, uh, you know, we, Twitter isn't a great way to, to, to get a gauge on what the community is doing, or not even the community, the, there are opponents in the contest. But, but what it does seem to do, unfortunately, is develop that I have to lean and kind of fix myself into a belief of the type of golfers I'm, I'm trying to roster and that really takes us away from really thinking, conceptualizing, how do I beat these, these other people, these other lineups in, in the contest? And so point being is that around the green was important, but if, you have, if you're not a good around the green player, it doesn't mean you couldn't perform well. I, and if you, like, you know, so I'm trying to think of other things that were tossed out, uh, but, but regardless, you can, there's multiple ways to get to the solution. There's multiple ways to, if you're trying to get to five, there's multiple ways to do that. You know, three plus two, you know, one plus one plus one plus one, there's four plus one, there's multiple ways to get there. And so if we're leaning too heavily just on one, and then we're just crossing off golfers, like I, I, I'm come back to the name I'm thinking a lot of was Victor Hodlin. And yeah, he, he had, okay, made a cut. I think he was 30th. So, I mean, he, you know, didn't do anything, but let's just say Victor finishes 15, finishes 10, finishes top, top five of everyone. And, and I'm really also thinking of then Brian Harmon, I think the 2017 U S open when everyone said distance is key. Distance is key. That's not Brian Harmon, but you have to think, okay, if I'm not rostering a good around the green player, then Victor Hovland and Brian Harmon in 2017 U S open would, would have, and you can use, example like this in every tournament but then they can have there's different ways to get the to sue the solution different way to get into the top 10 and so if player a is not a good around the green player last week i'm saying no well then um, what, what's their ball striking like when they're a great ball striker well yeah so they can have um, maybe a ceiling type performance ball striking in the around the green kind of has it becomes less importance but if i'm just thinking that three plus two is the only way to get to five that around the green performance is the only way to roster a golfer that, that I think is going to play well. Then, then we get trapped, we get trapped. And <clears throat> the other way we get trapped is, is like we call it a delusional thought process. And it is a little bit of a delusion. What, what humans can do is regardless if we've had success in DFS or not, we can have this contemptuous view that, like I know the 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 right way. Like how I how I make lineups, how I enter contests, so I play DFS week to week. We think of this is my strategy, this is what I do, this is what I know to be true, whether I've pieced it together from things I've heard, or this is just how, what I kind of believe. Um, regardless if we see results or not, we we still lean on that. And that's that can kind of create a little bit of, of a delusion. And it's key not to if that may be going on and that happens in every aspect of life. But for those of that don't know, I work in mental health. I'm a licensed mental health therapist. And so that's just, that's just humans. That's just behavior. And it doesn't mean that there's a mental illness or it doesn't mean that we're doing all anything wrong. It's just that that part of the mind that might have that delusional thought process correlates with the same part of the mind that wants us to make meaning like, okay, how am I, as it relates to DFS, creating meaning on what does a good um, strategy look like that creates success in DFS. And I should preface it that I'm, I wouldn't, I'm not a DFS pro. I've 
uh, I think it's three years now in a row, I've made a profit. And I usually post that at the end of the year. In 2020, I think it was 40. And then last year was a little bit less than that. So it's not like blowing anything away. But, you know, I'm no, you know, not stingy. I'll take 40 grand every year. And and so, yeah, and DFS is kind of fluctuates. But point being is that I allow the, the data, I allow to be kind of open-minded to say, does my meaning-making system on how I or how anybody would have success in DFS is that uh, backed by results? Because again, sometimes we can kind of get in this delusional thought process, one of which is that, that there's only one way to do it. And so point being is that try to, try to be open-minded because uh, how can we, how we create meaning can also be very dangerous, be very dangerous in losing money. But if you look at politics, religion, that gosh, I know this is the right way and the other way is wrong. You know, I know this to be true. And I love the quote that it says, it's not what we don't know that hurts us. It's what we know for certain that just ain't, ain't true. And so we have to understand that we are not going to know in our, everything. And so just like with politics, religion and DFS, if we think that, oh, hey, this is the best strategy to do it. This is uh, the, the, what you have to believe, what you have to do. And we're not really seeing results like that delusion can kind of blind us from uh, maybe using kind of the, the rational brain. This might be going down a wormhole, but we have the emotional brain. We have the logical brain. And we have the rational brain in the middle and the rational brain kind of leans on the other two. But it's easy to rely on the emotional brain too much within DFS, especially if we're, we're kind of playing panicky or fear based because we've lost some money or it can be too much on the logical brain, which is what I was just talking about at the very beginning that, hey, this is the only way to get to five. Three plus two is the only way to get to five when in reality there's other ways. And so thinking it like that, being too much the emotional logical get, gets us into trouble. So it's helpful just to be mindful and check in with like, all right, how, how am I thinking? How have I been going about my process? And that's why I, I tweeted that the other day. And again, probably not even related to everybody or even the majority, but just there seems to be because of all the content and there's so great content out there. But there's just a heavy push that may be a side effect with all the content. It's leading people into focusing on too much of how the tournament will unfold versus how do we actually beat the, the competitors in our in our, in our tournaments that, 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 that we're in. And so, uh, you know, sp speaking of the industry, it's just something I'm fascinated about. I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't know how much longer I'll, I'll do this. I got a kid. It's going to be you know, born. My first born is going to be here, uh, kind of the late summer, uh, you know, two months, pretty much. I you have to practice starting another, another business. And, but, but one thing I'll just, if I never, you know, you never see me again. I, I wanted to understand is it's important that, you know, who you listen to and also what you listen to, just like what you read, like you are what you read kind of the thing. Is that behavioral change? So I'm relating it again back to psychotherapy. Behavioral change, one, we, one, one thing we know isn't really done by psychoeducation. So psychoeducation would be like, you know what, your dad never loved you. And that's why you have anxiety right now. You know, that doesn't really help or change people. Now, education is key. Education on, you know, and there's so many good content providers that 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 offer great education. That's key. You'll need that starting out or even just kind of reassessing your, your strategy. You'll need that. But but if, if we're kind of feeding ourselves with the same education of I listen to what the the model says that we need for the course, you have to play off the tee. 
We're looking for around the green players. We're looking for guys like this and we're looking for value for salaries. And you're just listening to podcasts that just give you that. Again, that uh, that type of education might not create behavioral change. We want the behavioral aspect to be if we're looking at it through a lens of game theory. And that's just one maybe of many ways to have success in DFS. But if we're looking through it through a lens of game theory, is that that behavioral, we're not even being aware of that. What we want to be aware is really focus on the, the process over that particular content of, oh, we really need ball striking this week. But really, again, the process of, how do I beat the competitors in my contest and specifically GPPs? And that's, I just, I don't hear many people talking about that at all. Now there's some, and there's some great people out there, but um, it, it can really get paralysis by analysis as, as more people coming into the industry. And um, again, they're so, su such, such great. And there's a, you know, really long list of people I could just name. And so um, I, I guess a good way to model it is like when I'm done with this, I might pick a handful, five, you know, people kind of I listen to gauge the industry and then I might leave it at, at that. Uh, but but I mean, but listen and do what works for you. I mean, I'm, and again, I don't know that you, know, you don't even have to listen to me. I'm not claiming to be the best or anything, but I do believe that there's carryovers to how just humanly our minds kind of work. And there's traps that we can get into easily, just like we've all, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit, we've all had periods in our life where we felt like we were in a rut or not making the best decisions. Then we've had times in our life where we feel like we're flow and we're just cooking and we're moving along. And a, a lot of those we feel like we're kind of a slave to, or we're just along for the ride, but we have a lot of, a lot of influence and it is tough within the influence too. I mean, in the community as well, and I don't mean to chase the rabbit, but it's just, you know, everyone wants to be the, the wittiest, smartest and the funniest and the most, you know, the most sarcastic and, I also don't want us to get away from what really drew me into starting this in the community, which is the, the, the support. And look, there, there's a ton of people that work uh, harder than I do. I don't feel like I work you know, that, that hard, at least in the comedy. I just do my writing and do this. and It's fun with you all. But there's so many people that that do great and you know, show, show, show them support because it is a hard work and, and the returns just from doing content aren't great. This is not a, a kind of a lucrative business. So if you have, um, you know, I think like Joe and Andy and I know there's Mayo and Tambo and I like, you know, a big Noto guy as well, you know, shoot them, shoot them some love because it is a grind, a grind doing this. Uh, and they're really the best part about this. Again, I don't know how long I'll be doing this and I don't want to chase a rabbit too much, but the greatest part are all the pe are the people who was lucky enough to make a few friends and um, that 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 is great. So yeah, interact with people, share support, share love, and um, so I, I just yeah, I kind of want to wanted to remind people about that and then just check in again with that strategy and kind of reassessing of, of kind of kind of what we're doing. Just to recap again, there's multiple ways to get to a, a, a golfer. There's multiple ways to how a tournament could unfold. And again, just sum it up real quick, if we feel like and if we hear content wise that the best way or the only way to get to the solution of number five is three plus two when there's multiple ways to do that. So just uh, you know, kind of keep that in mind. But what I'm going to do, we're going to go back not go back, but uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, David, you're, you're a good one, too. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my, my screen and we're going to kind of look at the the board here and just go through pretty quick again it's a monday we don't have uh ownership unfortunately and kind of things like that but 
Yeah, just going to share my screen right here. And this is interesting. And so let's talk about kind of game theory. And I, I am just imagining more data helps us get a clear picture of what people might be doing. And that data is ownership projections. We don't have that again. But I do kind of want to kind of go through the board and just maybe imagine what people might be doing. It's the week after a major. So everyone wants to talk about is, are people, are the golfer going to be tired, exhausted? Who's going to be motivated for this? You know, is Mito going to be going to just dejected after his double on 18? Is Justin Thomas just going to be too exhausted? He even said it in his press conference, I think, how exhausted he is. So there's just a lot, lot, lot to think of. So I, I don't think Justin Thomas is going to be the highest on guy in this, this above, uh, you know, nine to 10 K range. People don't like to play the, the, the person that won the previous week. And, you know, this is, this is like a roulette wheel that if 11 has hit five times in a row, 11 has the same odds of hitting, you know, the next spin as it did the previous spin, the, the odds don't, you know, the math doesn't change. And so, there's nothing in the rule book that says JT can't win again. And yeah, could he be exhausted? Could he be tired? And that's lower chances. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. But again, we, we, we don't know. And I, that's the key thing. Remember, we do not know how the tournament is un, un, going to unfold. And if we're in that too much of that log, logical mind or emotional mind, we get away from the rational mind. And so there's nothing really data wise that tells us that, hey, Justin Thomas can't win. Again, that might be one of those delusional thought process that that we get in that we don't know is is maybe harmful to us, that we start getting into this has to or it can't like this has to be the right way or this can't be the right way. And that is really dangerous uh, in, in kind of DFS. So pivot, guys. So I'll chat. Yeah. I, yeah. What ownership do you look you pivot off of? That's a great question. And it really just depends on your own kind of, um, you know, how you handicap. So there might be a golfer that. Let's just say, and I'm going to go to the board here at the top. Let's just say that if, you know, Willie Z is going to be interesting this week. Let's just say you love really Willie Z, but he's going to be 35% owned. You don't have to pivot off him. If, you know, tr trust your process. If you like Willie Z, you'll then roster him. Roster him at high, high ownership to get some leverage. So maybe it's 70% of all your lineups have, have Willie Z. But if you find a guy that you're less confident, and so if I scroll down and you know, I'm trying to just guess real quick who might be highly owned in this 7K range. You know, I do want to talk about Rose, but like Kirk. Kirk had a good a good week last week, actually played very well. Let's just say that he's 20%, but we know that his, he's inconsistent. That says that there's more, I feel like, that can go wrong with a golfer like Chris Kirk in this situation. They can go right, and the opportunity of the leverage is to – lucrative to pass up and the leverage being that if he just happens to play bad again we cannot read the future we don't know if he'll play bad or not but just the opportunity for him to play bad and if we fade him and pivot to a guy in the price range in around let's say 10 percent well that leverage is is lucrative that that helps us and so you get an opportunity like that to to gain that leverage that's hard hard to pass up but Let's pretend that Chris Kirk checked a lot of boxes for me. And I'm like, you know what? You know, I do like to play. Maybe I'll move to another um, high-end golfer. So I hope that answers your question. And it's a great question because, gosh, I, I really feel like that 
you, you can't get away from chalk. Chalk's going to be out there and you're going to have to play it. But if you can make those accurate pivot plays, it makes the world a difference, especially in single entry. I like to get kind of more, and some of my lineups are kind of wild. If, when, when I do the 150 max, um, I make 150 lineups through the generator. But uh, in single entry, I like to get kind of even more crazy because um, usually with the lower owned guys, they're, they're less owned and higher owned guys tend to be higher owned in single entry contests. But so, so JT models out, of course, really, really well. He's one of the you know best. But I, I'm really wondering what what people are going to do with Scotty. Uh, I think played here once before. Uh, actually, no, he's played here twice. I think has one missed cut. He's only has six measured rounds. So that would be one one made cut, one missed cut. Um, didn't look all too great yet last week. You know, probably highest going guy. Yeah, it might be kind of turning down a little bit. Not that he's not going to have a good rest of the year, but just you definitely not in the form. Uh, I, I do want to talk about Will, Willie Z. And again, kind of, we know what happened to it. And I'll point out that we, if we had him projected, I think around 10%, that might have been higher. I can't really remember, but I think he was only like, you know, between 12 or 14% at the PGA last week. And that was a little recency bias. If he didn't miss cut at the AT&T Byron Nelson, he probably would be in the 20s. But one thing that Willie Z did do well last week was putt. He gained 4.6 strokes putting. We know that's not the norm for him. And so maybe we take that into consideration. But he did do his usual stuff. He gained 9.7 to green and 5.1 on approach. But um, I, I, I do like him this week. The person maybe I would um, – wonder about the most is Victor Hovland. I liked him really at low ownership last week. Again, had an okay tournament, nothing great. I finished 41st, but he did play well. 4.5 T to green, 2.7 on approach. He will not be highly owned. And so I really, really, really like that. Spieth, I, I might go back to Spieth again. And as we go down, I know I'm jumping all over, just me tonight. So I'm naming just a few names, but this feels like a Tony Finau spot. Really encouraged with how Tony played last week at the PGA. And pulling up the stuff right here, 2.2 on approach. You know, that's not going to be earth shattering, but he lost 7.7 on approach at the Wells Fargo. 5.6 T to green. And that, he's now gained strokes T to green in three straight, I think four straight if we account the Masters. That That's encouraging. He finished second in Mexico, point or 14.8 strokes to degree. Yeah, so Tony's turning in the right right direction. I, I really like it. Do not think he's going to be highly owned just because if people are looking at his recent results, it's just, yeah, it's not it's not really catching the eye. It's been kind of a, maybe a minor slump. Another one is Abraham Answer, who I'm trying to pull up what he's on. He's played here a lot. He's had 16 measure rounds at Colonial and he ranks seventh off the tee which makes sense. You got to keep it in the fairway. What I really like is he's 24th also in putting, 22nd in ball striking. And we look at answer last week, which kind of came out of nowhere. And he was such a great DFS play. I was in hindsight, just kicking myself. I didn't have him at all. Uh, he did putt well, almost four strokes putting, but he did kill it. T to green to not approach almost five strokes on approach, uh, 6.4 T to green. So I'll, maybe, maybe this is where answer kind of, turns it on and has a good end to the kind of, or a good second half of the year. Again, do not think we'll be too highly owned right, right there. Uh, Max Homa is kind of popular. 
you know, Berger's picking up some speed. You know, Berger is very interesting coming off the missed cut. I'm kind of surprised that I have heard his name so much today. Um, I'm just on Twitter. Again, Tambo's right. We live in a bubble. So it's probably not an accurate reading of what the people are going to do in our contest. But he's played well here. 14 measured rounds at Colonial. Ranks 14th. T to green. Ranks 23rd on approach. Uh, ranks 24th in DraftKings points. Uh, Taylor Gooch, probably not. This doesn't feel like a Taylor Gooch course. Have to keep it in the fairway. One of Taylor Gooch's, you know, kind of biggest bugaboos is he can kind of leak it off the tee. Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood, this is where his ownership is starting to fade. I, I really feel like, and, you know, he could be trending into a great piece. He's actually trending one of the best. So what I mean by trending, in just a few ball striking stats, it incorporates off the tee approach, ball striking, tee to green. The last 24 rounds, he ranks 17th. Last 12 rounds, he ranks 15th in the field, 8th, 7th, 6th. Or last four, excuse me, ranked six. So he's, yeah, that's definitely a very, very nice trend. And so he could trend in very, very, very well. The problem with that is everybody is observing how well he's played and how well he played last week. He gained strokes in every key metric, finished fifth. I, I, I don't I don't feel like this is as a, a Tommy course as last week was. You know, speaking of around the green, Tommy's great around the green. That's one of his big strengths. He can get really kind of creative. So it's really a question of, am I thinking that his ball striking trend will continue? Has he peaked or not? But also verse it of his ownership of how that's going to be inflated. I, I think at the Byron Nelson, gosh, I want to say I played him. He's like 5%. What was he last week? You know, 10 or 11, something around there. We're looking at maybe 15 to 16% now. So the ownership is definitely creeping up with, with Fleetwood. I shouldn't say definitely. That's just what I'm kind of imagining. And so I think it would. So I'm really going to have to consider is is his maybe trend that he's doing with the strokes gain data. Is that continue? But also, is it worth buying more of the ownership? Because then we have a lot to think about in this lower or mid AK range. You got Webb, who's playing well now. Mito, what do we do with him? Davis Riley, he was another good showing. There's just, and then even DeShambo. So there's just a lot to consider. And again, you know, right above them all is Tony Fainel. Just a, a whole lot to kind of run through and kind of consider. Uh, but I mentioned Chris Kirk. And I, and I didn't mean to say, or I hope I didn't say, I was just using it as an example. I don't think he's going to be 20%. But um, I, I like him. He almost reminds, like he's a poor man's version of Tommy Fleetwood in this scenario that is not having the same trend. As Tommy Flew, not as good, but he's definitely kind of improving in a similar way. And maybe we get an ownership like that could be a good pivot play. If Fleetwood is 17% owned and Kirk is eight, and I don't know if that's going to work out, but that, that could be it. Kirk finished fifth last week, 10.8 strokes T, T to green. So he might be on a Monday night possible pivot play. We'll see with the ownership projections. But again, Kirk could be go on to be a. Uh, pretty chalk so yeah we'll just have to see that's one of those things we really love the data of what are other people doing in our contest which is ownership projections but kind of like like kirk so far the interesting guy is what i wanted to talk about and that's justin rose and i'm surprised justin rose has played here often 16 measured rounds at colonial and damn he lights up the board he ranks third in strokes gang total ranks eight t to green seven ball striking Sixth short game, 11th off the tee, and 14th on approach. And the big one, 
He ranks fourth in putting at Colonial. Yeah, good for him. So he he has the history, and he finally showed life at the PGA, and that is such a Justin Rose thing. Justin Rose has had terrible metrics outside of the Farmers. This played terrible this year, and then just pops at at the PGA, and he had some. Uh, I don't want to call it luck because I don't know. It's being, you know, these golfers, you make your own luck, but chipped in, buried some long putts, just what Justin Rose tends to do. He did lose strokes off the tee. I'm a little worried uh, because we're going to definitely going to need that this week, but he does have the course history. One of the best, you know, maybe cumulative, maybe the best in the field, just with the strokes game wise. So really interesting to see what Justin Rose does. It's a very, it's a high risk, high reward play because, I don't we don't know if his performance at the PGA is an accurate showing of, you know, is, is that we don't know if that's consistent or not yet. We just, that One tournament is way too much soft sample size. And earlier this year, the sample size is much larger and he's played terrible. But he does he does have the back class at Colonial. And so it's like, yeah, what? You know, let's wait and see again on what ownership it is. If he comes in at under 10. He'll be in a lot of lineups, but this is if he's 20 percent, 25 percent, then it's like, all right, I, I see that there's risk there because his recent form, you know, the sample size is way too small. That can lead to a lot of irregularities. And so maybe I'll kind of pivot this this kind of some somebody else. CP, CT Pan is someone interesting, kind of just. I know he's, he's kind of I always feel like somewhat chalk each week lately, but man, he's flying under the radar, having a great year strokes game wise and results wise. But let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in a row on approach he's gained. So he's got that dialed down and it looks like eight on approach T to green. And again, if we want to say Harbortown is a little comp course, got to keep it in the fairway. Uh, scrambling's important because maybe the greens are a tad smaller. I don't know that, but that does sound a little bit of Harbortown. He, he's kind of one here. Uh, I, I like CT Pan and, and Reed. Is Reed showing life again? Very pleased with his performance. Finally gained some strokes on approach. It was his first time. I'm really going to say first time all year gaining stroke, like meaningful strokes on approach. Before this, before last week at the PGA, Reed gained 0.2 at the Tournament of Champions at Kapalua. And 1.7 at the players. That's it. Everything, every other tournament this year reads lost strokes on approach. But last week at the PGA, he gained 5.2. And he got five. He gained five strokes T to green. He hasn't gained strokes T to green since the 3M last year, Reed. That's, that's signs of life. And if you want the course history, Reed's also played well here. 18 measure rounds at Colonial. Ranks third around the green, ranks 15th putting, ranks fourth in DraftKings putts. I don't think Reed's going to be too highly owned. I, I don't because he, he didn't have a great – he didn't have a great result at the PGA. Finished 34th. Probably due to his off the tee where he lost 2.7. But five tee to green. Kind of kind of like Reed. Reed, I, that that's something. Again, I'm reiterate, hasn't gained strokes tee to green since the 3M game five last week. Has the back class probably going to be low owned, and it's definitely low price for Reed. Seventy four hundred for a Masters winner. Ricky Fowler also interesting. Showed life last week. Not going to do there. I'm going to come down to the low seven seven K range. Stewart Sink. This has Stewart Sink vibes when he won at Harbortown um, last year. 
is that Stewart sinks five. He came into Harbortown hitting the ball really well, played really well at the Masters the week before uh, he went on to win Harbortown. Stewart sink. Look at his strokes gained. Uh, tee to green data last two weeks. 6.2, 5.4. Off the tee. Five strokes gained last week. Two at the Wells Fargo. Approach 2.1, 5.6. Again, if we, I, I kind of believe Harvard Town might be a little comp course. Stewart Sink, winner there. And if you want to look at trends, let's look at it. Last 12 rounds in these ball striking stats, he ranked 17th in the field. Over the last eight rounds, he ranks fourth. Last four rounds, he ranks ninth. At 7,100 for a golfer that's kind of trending in that direction. I know ninth is, you know, not better than four, but it's still in the top 10. That's hard to find. You know, James Hahn is similar. He's kind of in a similar position, but I like Sink more. All right, sickle range. Let's get down there. Lucas Glover, again, I know people have talked about his history. He kind of surprisingly well has played well somewhat recently. But last week, 7.8 on approach for Lucas. Again, can't putt worth a damn, but 8.5 TD Green with, again, some of his history. Let's, let's pull that up just to make sure. 20 measured rounds. So he plays this tournament often. Does rank 13th in the field in ball striking. I do feel like Lucas Glover, you're going to hear his name often, so I'm not going to mention it too too much. JT Poston is a guy I want to mention. He'll probably be two, between 2 and 5% on, I hope. RBC Heritage finished third, went to Mexico, miscut, but then bounced back with a ninth at the Wells Fargo. He's now gained four strokes off the tee or four in four straight events. He gained four strokes off the tee. Excuse me. That makes sense. Let's see. If, I don't think he's played colonial, but I could be wrong. Let's see. Oh, he has. And kind of mixed results. Does rank 30th in the field off the tee at colonial and 29th in putting. That's good. It looks like he's had miscut, but still 31st in DraftKings points at 6,600. JT Poston, um, kind of high, high on him this week. Barjan, I feel like everybody's been talking about him. So I'm going to come down to the, you know, very low, and that's just Trey Molinex. Um, played well at the 18 Byron Nelson. Now I'm a little worried because we're very likely not going to see conditions um, like we did in at the Byron Nelson than we did at, uh, oh, I'm thinking of the Wells Fargo. So yeah, Byron Nelson. So yeah, maybe kind of somewhat slower. Won't be as much as a birdie fest. It'll be much challenging this week, but at the birdie fest, gained 3.5 on approach, 5.3 TD green, uh, and not earth shattering, but in this low 6K range, kind of worth a flyer. But the real guy in the 6K range I really like is is JT Poston. I, I'd be remiss not to, I know he's not in 6K, but that's just Matt Jones. Matt Jones is the essential DFS GPP play. And I feel like if you do make 150 lineups, in a, in a course like this, Texas, and if there is going to be wind, um, you just you just got to play him. It, it just it's an oddity looking at his results in previous tournaments. How he goes from like miscut, miscut to third, miscut, miscut to second, uh, miscut fourteenth, win, it's, and then miscut again. So it's just so all over the place. And um, but it's a high, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say high floor. He has a decent, I mean, ceiling but a very, very low floor. So it's a risk reward play, but I like Mac Jones because one thing he really, really does well is, and maybe the best what he does is his off the tee game, strong off the tee. So we can get into fairway. What he doesn't do well is um, on approach. 
and you know putting not so much this year but he is also good around the green and so yeah um, i like matt jones in tournaments like this as a flyer liked him last week didn't really work out but um i mean we do he's gonna be low owned. he's only 7k so that's just running through it on a monday i appreciate y'all just uh yeah i just appreciate it and if you want to check out i'm just going to remind you at the very beginning is you know make sure you're um you know also it could it's important to you know, think of, okay, how's this tournament going to unfold? And what does a golfer need to do well here? All that is very valid, but also make sure to remember, okay, what do I need to do if I'm playing GPPs to try to be um, my my competitor? Because that doesn't get the, you know, fanfare or the content as as maybe the other side. And that's easy. And I, you know, and I, you know, I get it. I, I would say it when we, when we first started that our strokes gain data makes us sound a lot smarter than we are. I can, I can, and, and uh, that's subjective, but gosh, I can really make a, a case for a guy and I can say he played so well on approach and here's the strokes gain data. And we really, really lean into that. But what is not really talked about much is, okay, well then how, how do we use that information to then consider it as how do we beat the people in our contest? How do we beat the people we're actually competing against? So David, I appreciate you, appreciate y'all for listening. Hope this finds you well. Be kind, be gentle, have fun. We'll see you again next time. Good luck this week. Appreciate y'all. And shout out to Drew. Send Drew some good messages. He's not feeling well. So, Drew, we miss you. We'll be back next week. Peace, guys.